Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the worship that has happened here. I thank you for all the amazing and good-looking people that have come out to worship with us here at Lighthouse. And Father, now as we get into the sermon, I just pray that you would open up every heart, that you would open up every mind, and that we would be receptive and ready to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says amen. All right, so today I want to give you a title for my sermon, and the crazy thing is I like the title sermons, but I rarely give you my title. I just kind of got that for me, but I figured I might as well let that slip and give you some insight as to where we are going today. But the title of today's message is called A Prison Called Comfort, A Prison Called Comfort comfort. And I want to take you to the book of Exodus chapter 3 verses 11 through 12 and then we're going to jump um we're going to jump into chapter 4 and uh, read some additional verses there. But I want you to go to Exodus chapter 3 verses 11 through 12 and we are going to see what God has for us there, okay? And it begins as follows. But Moses protested to God, "Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt?" And God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Now let's jump to chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 10 and 10 through 12. All right, so God's talking to Moses, and Moses talks back to God. He said, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord said to Moses, or then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. So let's continue on with part two of our series, Dream Again. And let me give you some context. I like to give you context because I'm a Bible guy. And I feel like the scriptures make more sense when you get the entire context of what we're talking about. Now, Moses, it was a Hebrew boy that was born and raised in Egypt just like a prince because he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. So he was the adopted grandson of Pharaoh. But at the age of 40 years old, he makes a mistake and he kills an Egyptian. How many know that like murder is kind of a real big mistake? Okay, yeah. So it don't matter who you are. So even though he's the adopted grandson of Pharaoh, he kills an Egyptian man that was really treating a Hebrew slave really harshly. And because Moses was a Hebrew, he had this internal conflict that, man, I'm a Hebrew, but I'm raised like an Egyptian, but I'm still a Hebrew at my core. So he tried to do something there and stand up for the little guy, and it got him in a lot of trouble because it didn't matter who his granddaddy was. He was now a fugitive, and he was on the run. And so for 40 years, everybody say 40 years. I haven't even been on the earth that long. That's a long point. That's a long time. 40 years is a long time. And for 40 years, Moses is hiding in the wilderness trying not to get caught. 
for committing murder. And when God catches up to Moses and begins to tell him, Moses, and we talked about this last week, all right? Moses, I want you to go to Egypt because you're going to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Watch this now. Moses is 80 years old. He's no spring chicken, y'all. He is 80 years old. And God tells him, you are going to go against the single strongest man and the single strongest army in the then known world. And you're going to tell him, I want you to let all of the Hebrews, which was essentially the workforce, you're going to let all this workforce go. So an 80, I mean, come on now. I mean, you've seen the movies. You go to someone who's 35, you've got a man in his prime, right? But you go to an 80-year-old man and you tell him, you're going to go and get all the people out of Egypt. That's a tall order. But that's what God was getting ready to do. And so where we catch up to the passage of Scripture here, God tells Moses, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses says to God, no, not once, not twice, not thrice. That's like old English Bible language right there. But five times God, uh, uh, Moses tells God, I don't want to go. That's a lot of excuses, right? I mean, and keep in mind, he's talking to God Almighty. So he's got some nerve to tell him, I don't want to go. And that's where we catch up with today's story, okay? I love to bring you the context because I want you to understand where we are at and what's happening here. So Moses, now before you, before you go crazy with Moses, right, and you're like, I can't believe Moses said no to God. Many of us say no to God all the time. Thank you, Brother Gil. And, and because typically what will happen is God will call you, but when God calls you, he's asking you to leave your comfort zone. And how many love the comfort zone? I started talking about our comfort zones last week. If you weren't here last week, I want to take a moment and honor our production team because as of last week, and we're just a six-week-old church, y'all. As of last week, our sermons are now available for you to listen to either on an Apple podcast or if you're an Android person, on SoundCloud. Can we give it up to our production team? So if you're feeling like, man, I need to hear part one. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts or you can listen to it on SoundCloud, whatever your preference is. Just look for Lighthouse Church North County and you'll get part one. But last week I made this point, and this is the first thing that I want you to write down, okay? This is the first big idea. Our big dream is inside, is outside of our comfort zone, okay? Our big dream is outside of our comfort zone. So let's talk about comfort zones for a minute, if you will. If you think about our comfort zones, our comfort zones are comfortable, number one, because of our relationships. How many of you have some really, really good friends in life? Like, like you got some, how many got like some close, tight-knit friends? Just a few of you. We got a very introverted church today, this morning. All right. How many of you are like, I don't need a lot of friends type of people? You can wave your hands. That's all right. Anyone we need to pray for? All right. Thank you. Okay. So what makes a, a, a comfort zone comfortable, number one, is our relationships, all right? Because typically we forge those things. They're comfortable. They're our friends. We have inside jokes. We got a secret handshake. We've got little things that we say that if you said it in a room full of strangers, the two of you would be the only ones laughing. How many got those type of friends? You can just like one little reference, and you guys are like, ah. And everyone else is like, what is wrong with you? How many got those type of friends? All right? Comfort zone friends. You know, the second, things, the second thing that makes a comfort zone comfortable is routines. How many of y'all got your routines? I am a man that lives by the routine. I absolutely am. I don't even like to call them routines because I get real spiritual. I call them my rhythms because it sounds more godly, you know? 
I don't know if it makes me sound more godly or it's because I'm a, I'm a musician, I'm a drummer, and so I like rhythm. But I love rhythms, and that basically means it's, it's my routines. Now, you might not think that you're a person of routine, but I bet you you are because you, you, you either brush your teeth before or after the shower in the morning, or at least I hope you do, okay? That's your routine. There's a way that you do certain things before you head out the door. That's routine. And so comfort zones are comfortable because you typically have a routine that you follow, and you like your routines. How many of you... How many of you hate it when your routine gets messed up? Be honest. Yeah, where are my OCD people at, right? Mess with my routine. I'm going to come at you, all right? Another descriptor of, of, of a comfort zone is there's acceptable behavior within a comfort zone. There's acceptable. There's behavior that just kind of works in that comfort zone. I worked... Uh, when, when I was working in the corporate world, and for those of you that don't know my background, um, I worked in the corporate zone for 10 years after college. So I got my bachelor's degree, went and worked in corporate for 10 years, ended up getting my master's degree in business, and I was managing $250 million of my company's spend. All right, big, big, big contracts. And I worked for the second largest defense contractor in the country. And my supplier was a little company by the name of L3. Everybody heard of the company named L3? All right, that was my supplier. I was their customer, and my customer was the Air Force or the Navy, depending on what project I was working on. But in my comfort zone, there's acceptable behavior within that comfort zone that I tell you, man, you can't talk like that outside of that room. You know what I'm talking about? Because we would lead these negotiations, and they were like lockdown, drag out, negotiations. And I had a boss who was super, super old school. I mean, they don't even make him like that anymore because everything's so politically correct. But I had a boss who was an HR nightmare. <laughs> How many of you ever worked for anyone that had, was an HR nightmare? And, I, and, and the thing is, he was so close to retiring. I don't know what it is about people that are close to retiring, but like the filter's gone. You know what I mean? They could really care less. And I would tell him, I was like, you know, his name was Thomas. I don't know if you can say that. And he said, I, I, I said, HR is going to get upset with you. He's like, wouldn't it be my first and it ain't going to be my last. You know, he just like wore that on his sleeve, right? But even then, there was behavior that was acceptable in that environment because that environment was allowed for that type of lockdown, drag out, in your face negotiation type stuff. And then the last descriptor of, com of, of our comfort zones is our past success. How many, of you, how many of you sometimes rest on your past success? Yeah, we do that. And we get comfortable on our past success. As a matter of fact, sometimes we rest on our past success because we ain't trying to get no new success. It's like, it was hard enough to get here. I ain't trying to go and do something else. You guys know what I'm talking about? This is going to be an extremely carnal example. And anyone that's like under 35 may not get this reference. And that's probably a good thing, okay? But uh, y'all remember Al Bundy? Yeah? If you, don't, if you don't know who I'm talking about, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You don't need to go and, like, repent after watching a show. Um, it's not that bad. But if you remember the character Al Bundy, you know what I'm talking about. He would always talk about how many touchdowns he scored in high school. I mean, he was that dude who was in his 50s still talking about his high school football days and how he scored four touchdowns, and he played on both sides of the ball. You remember that? That's what I think of of people that get really comfortable. And when they get really comfortable, they just allow themselves to get wrapped up in this place where, you know, don't ask me to leave my comfort zone. I, I, I got a way that I want to illustrate this. I think it's going to work because this is a blanket. And when I think of comfort zones, you know what I think of? I think of how we could be at home and just wrap ourselves in a I mean, doesn't this blanket look nice? I mean... It's got that little sheet, imitation sheepskin on one side. The plan. And this is, this is my son Jaden's favorite blanket. Jaden's my, my nine-year-old son. 
But this is what I think of when I think of comfort zones. I think of a place where we just want to be here in this place of comfort and not leave our place of comfort because then we have to ditch the blanket. But how do you know that the blanket's super comfortable? It's real comfortable. I mean, we had a very, how, how, many, how many of you hated the winter that we had this past winter? Anyone else? I did. For, this was a cold winter. Wasn't it a little colder than normal? And it rained a lot. And, and I mean, San Diego don't get a lot of rain. This is San Diego, not Seattle. And so, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? But we got a lot of rain this winter. There was a lot of rain. It was very dark. And it was cold. And it was not your typical San Diego winter. Now, you might be wondering, where is Pastor Josh going with all of this? I used to be a guy that would wake up in the morning and work out. Used to. <laughs> How many of you are morning workout guys or workout girls? All right. How hard was it to get out of bed this winter? I mean, this was a bad winter. Don't look at me like I'm the only one. All right. My wife would be like, are you going to go to the gym today? Because like, mm -mm, I get up and that blanket was so warm. I was just so comfortable. I was in my comfort zone and I didn't want to leave. Listen, the big dream that God has for your life is outside of your comfort zone. It is outside of your comfort zone. He's going to call you to this place where you are going to have to get that blanket, take the blanket off, and do the thing God has called you to do. But you want to know something about comfort zones that can be very dangerous? Let me, let me talk about those four descriptors, but can I talk about those descriptors with some new language that might give you some light on the danger with comfort zones? Well, number one, relationships are like a cozy like a cozy blanket, right? That's what relationships are. They're just like a cozy blanket. And you're probably thinking, well, what's wrong with that? You know, that's a good thing. Well, then your routines become your padding. Your routines become your padding because you don't like to break from your routines. If God calls you out of your comfort zone, then you got to leave your routines. And if you're like OCD, you're like, I'm not leaving my routine. I like my routine. I'm not going to leave my routine. And God's saying, but I'm calling you out of your comfort zone. And when you leave your comfort zone, your routines are probably going to be disrupted. All right? Now, the third thing that we talked about is acceptable behavior. Now, your acceptable behavior becomes your security fence. Your behavior that once was acceptable in your comfort zone is no longer acceptable where God is calling you. And so if God is calling you to accomplish a great big dream in your life, there might be some behavior that has to go. I'm sorry, but you don't get to binge watch Netflix every weekend because you got to hustle and you've got to work hard and you might have to reduce the amount of time you spend watching television or on your device or watching YouTube, whatever it is. Trust me, the guys that are changing this world aren't binge watching Netflix shows. The people that are changing this world aren't in the security fence of their acceptable behavior. Now, now, that binge watching on Netflix was cool at a certain age, but how do you know the older you get, you can't take that stuff with you? Ah, uh, just a couple amens. You, can't, you know what I'm talking about? How many know that it's okay to have a blankie with you when you're three? But when you're 30 years old and if you're still walking around with your favorite blanket, people are going to wonder what is wrong with you. So some things that used to be acceptable are no longer acceptable in order to get to the place that God is calling you. And let me give you the fourth one here. The fourth one here was past success. Past success becomes your security fence. So watch what we did there. We're talking about it's a comfortable blanket. It's padding. It's a security fence. And, and, and my past success now becomes what is really this thing where you think that you're in control. You think that I'm in my comfort zone. You think that all is well in your life. But listen, if you're not careful, your comfort zone will become your prison. 
If you are not careful, you're going to one day wake up and realize that what was once your comfort zone is now a prison that you can't get out of. And God has called you to greatness, but you won't leave the comfort zone. Do you want to know what you call a place that you want to leave but you can't leave? It's a prison. And all of a sudden, the thing that you had now has you. And I've met so many people that they thought that, you know, doing this and doing that is totally socially acceptable. But the older you get and as you move through the stages of life, the things that you used to do when you were single and 25, you don't get to do when you're 35 and you're a father. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. There's some behaviors that you have to leave behind. Maybe it was fun to get hammered all night so you didn't know where you ended up with. But the older you got, you realize, I don't get to take that with me to the place that God is calling me to. Maybe it was socially acceptable in the circles that you ran with for you to smoke a little something when your anxiety got a little high. But then you realize that where God is calling you, you can't take that mess with you. Now, you might think for a second, I'm comfortable here and I like being here, but the place that God is calling you too you've got to leave that stuff behind that stuff doesn't get to come with you when God is calling you to accomplish a big thing in this world everybody say comfort zones I see this illustrated in the Egypt in the story of of Egypt and the Israelites if you think about it when God comes to Moses and tells Moses you need to go and get the Israel nation out of Egypt they did not go into Egypt as slaves the Israel nation, when they went into Egypt, they went into Egypt because it was a safe place. And it was a comfortable place. It was a place where they could escape famine. Watch what happens. While they were in this safe, comfortable space, they became slaves and they got comfortable where they were. You don't believe me? Let's go to that next scripture. If you can put that on the screen. It's in the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verse 3. Now, Israel is already out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. Listen, they are out of slavery. Watch the language. Now, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. At least there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the wilderness to starve this entire assembly to death. Do you see what's happening there? These people were actually wanting to go back to slavery. They wanted to go back to their comfort zone. And that's the trick of comfort zones. And that's why oftentimes God has to get you out of that comfort zone. Because what happens is it is the enemy of greatness and it is the enemy of your big dream. But if you're not careful, the thing that was comfortable is really your prison. And the Israel nation found themselves longing to go back to slavery that's how comfortable they had gotten with their stuff. And there's people in this room right now that you hear us talking about the dream team and you're like, I don't want to join the dream team and I don't want to do that and I don't want that life that God has called me to. I'm going to stop having fun. And you don't even realize that your stuff now has you. You're no longer in control. When you can't let go of those things that can't go with you, you're actually in a prison. And God is trying to get you out of that prison. And I know it's like that. Have you ever had a family member that dealt with substance abuse where one day you have to have a hard talk with them and you're like, hey, man, I think this stuff has you. No, 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 I'm totally in control. And then they're like cars wrecked, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like they've got DUIs. And it's like, okay, clearly you're not in control. 
And that's what happens when we are in our comfort zones. We allow ourselves to be had by the things that we thought that we had. And so the lesson from Israel is that we can get so comfortable with our prison that we long for it when God is calling us to greatness. And I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. God did not call us to live a life of comfort. God called us to change the world. That's something the American church has to get over. God wants me to be happy. And then we set the definition of happy. And then we're wondering why God won't do what we want him to do for us. And he's like, that's destructive. That's not really what he does. He's the author of life. And then you're asking him to condone the stuff that will bring you to death. And we're like, God, bless this. And God's like, I'm sorry, I don't bless mess. <laughs> I'm not going to bless that mess in your life. And God is not going to do that. He's going to call you out of that comfort zone. Now, you might be saying, that's really hard for me. That's really, really hard for me. If you notice on the way in, the second thing that we want for you, there are four things that we want for you as a church. The first one is for you to know God. The second thing, and it's so key, is we want you to find freedom. If there's anyone in this room that's like, Pastor, I kind of hear you talking to me. There's some stuff that I thought I could let go of, but I can't let go of it. What do you want me to do, Pastor? I want you to meet me at Growth Track today, okay? Grab yourself some tacos and then meet me in Growth Track because we are going to put you on a we are going to put you on a journey to helping you find freedom and discover the purpose that God has for your life so that ultimately you can go out and make a difference. Those are the four things we want for you. That's the four things that we want for you. I want you to know God. I want you to find freedom. I want you to discover your purpose. And then I want you to go out and make a difference. Now let me take you back to the text here. As I said a minute ago, God called Moses and five times Moses said no to God. He said, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. Five times he tells him no. Why? Because God was saying, Moses, it's time to come up out of your comfort zone. And Moses was like, I don't want to go back to my comfort zone. I've gotten really comfortable out here in the wilderness. Think about that for a second. He's in the wilderness. <laughs> and God is like, Get out of here. He's like, no, I kind of got accustomed to the wilderness. It's nice out here. You know, no one bosses me around, and I work for my father-in-law now. It's kind of weird, but I mean, he liked it. Anyway, um, you know, and God's calling him out of that, and he doesn't want to deal with it. He's like, I do not want to deal with it. But you know what was going on with Moses every time he rebuffed God? He was really dealing with some internal dialogue that he had to break free of. As I mentioned last week, the first thing you got to wake up to is that God has a calling on your life. The second thing that you've got to overcome is the negative self-speak that we do. We will shut ourselves down before anyone else does. God will call us to do something, and it's an amazing idea, and we're like but it's probably going to cost me a lot of money and it's going to cost me a lot of time and I have kids. It's a little too late. And we will totally say no to God. And we will totally say, put all of our dreams on hold and say, I'm not going to do it because we have talked ourselves out of it. Isn't that insane? I mean, you didn't even give your family member a chance to tell you that they think you're crazy because you already told yourself you're crazy and you're not allowing yourself to do the thing that God has called you to do. How many have ever done this before? That, that negative self-speak, Right? I mean, this is what makes those afternoon talk shows so popular. <laughs> People are just trying to get through the voices in their head, you know. And they got to have Dr. Phil figure that all out for them. And this is what Moses was talking about. The first thing that Moses said to God when, when God says to Moses, I want you to go to Egypt. The first thing he says, who am I? Everybody say, who am I? Moses felt unworthy. How many ever felt like you weren't up to the task? He felt unworthy. He felt like, man, I made some mistakes. I'm like, I killed a guy. God, I don't know if you saw that or not, but I killed someone, and I'm a fugitive. And if I even get so close to, to Egypt, and if Pharaoh finds out, 
he's going to probably lock me up or kill me or both. You know, Moses had every reason not to go, and he felt like he was unworthy because of mistakes that he's made in his past. And lots of times that's why we talk ourselves out of what God is trying to do, because we think God won't use us because of something we did in our past. Do you want to know the insane thing is if God is asking you, it's because he's already forgiven it. There is nothing new under the sun. So if God comes to you and says, I've called you to do this thing, and you're like, God... Before we have a conversation about that, there's something I must let you know. As if God doesn't already know. And that's a crazy thing, right? That's someone offering you a job and you're trying to talk yourself out of it. Imagine getting your dream job and you're like, now before you hire me, there's some things you really ought to know about me. (laughs) And you're about to disqualify yourself, right? Like, that's insane. Why would you do that? But that's what Moses is trying to do. He's tell God, you know, God, who am I? that I should go. So he felt unworthy. The, 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 oh, another excuse that he gave God was, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. In other words, he was a stutterer and he couldn't articulate what he was trying to say. So what he was telling God is, I am unable. Even if I wanted to do it, I don't know how. So Moses had to overcome two things. Number one, he didn't feel worthy. And number two, he didn't feel as though he was able to do it. This is the third thing that I want, the second thing that I want you to write down, my second big idea for you. God picks the unworthy and the unable. How many know that that's what God specializes in doing? He picks the unworthy. And I know you might be thinking, what kind of God would pick a knucklehead? And what kind of God would you, you know, we we, we might think, why would God do that? And I don't have, I I really wish I had the best answer for you on that. But if you look in the Bible, there is this pattern of people that God used that he probably shouldn't have used. I mean, think about it for a second. He said, Abram, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. In other words, he's saying, Abram, you're going to have a lot of kids. And Abram said, God, I'm 100. Okay, that's in the Bible, all right? So just think about that for a second. If anyone was unable, it was Abraham, all right? As a matter of fact, Abraham's wife had to tell God the factory's closed, okay? It's not possible. And God had to go and fix that. That's just one example. How about David? You guys remember David in the Bible? King David? This was a guy. Check out David's faults, right? This is like some Jerry Springer type stuff, okay? David committed adultery with his neighbor's wife, and he tried to cover it up by having his neighbor murdered in war. Come on, David. <laughs> right? I mean, like, if there was anyone that was unworthy, maybe it was David. But God comes to David and says, David, you got a heart after mine. We're like, wait, what? A heart after you? This guy's a killer. Guy's an adulterer. I mean, really? This is the guy, this is the guy that I want to use. And, and, and that pattern is all throughout the Bible. I mean, if you go look at the Apostle Paul, as a matter of fact, some of, and now this is strong language, but, but you know, just take it, all right? Get over yourself, all right? But, but some of the people that were used the most in the Bible were the biggest jerks. I mean, Paul was killing Christians, not a nice guy, all right? And God got a hold of him and said, you are going to write over half of my New Testament. And it's like, God, why would you use him? I mean, he's killing Christians, and God's like, that's the person that I'm going to use. God's got this pattern of using the unworthy and the unable. And I think that he does that, okay? Because at the end of the day, when we look at them, we have to look at them and realize that it's no way it was them. It had to have been God. It had to have been God. That's just the way he does it. And so listen, if we waited to step out of our comfort zone to pursue our dreams when we felt worthy and when we felt able, the truth is you would never leave your comfort zone. 
if you waited until the moment that ah, I feel worthy now or ah, I feel able now, you'd never accomplish the thing that God has called you to do. As a matter of fact, people that can um, raise their hands and say that God did something incredible in my life, God did an amazing thing in my life, you can look back and say, man, I had no idea what I was doing back then, but I just trusted in God. I trusted that he was in it, and he has guided my steps. Anyone, any, anyone over here just kind of killing it in work or killing it in business, and you know it's not you, you know it's God? Come on, can we, how can we wave your hands and say, like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? How many got promoted for a position that you probably weren't the most qualified for? Yeah, that was God. How many of you excelled in a room? They put you in a room full of a whole bunch of people, and then the grace of God just shone through your life. What was it? It was God. If we just waited until we were worthy and when we were able, we would never do the things that God has called us to do. If we felt like, okay, now I'm ready to go, you'll never feel ready to go. You'll never feel ready to go. I remember when I was working, my boss called me into the room, and he said to me, he said, hey, Josh, um, and, and I worked in a company of 120,000 employees, okay? Big company. He said, listen, um, the company puts five people through to the master's program. I'm putting your name on the list. And I'm, I'm like, all right, put me in. What that meant was I got to go to the University of San Diego and have a $50,000 master's program completely paid for by my employer, all right? Now, I, my wife can attest to this. I remember telling my small group at the time, listen, I've got an opportunity to go to my master's program, but I'm not sure if I should because that's going to be a lot of work, and I'm real comfortable. Things are going really nice. I'm talking about comfort zones, right? Because I had finished my bachelor's. My wife, she had her master's degree. Uh, my wife's a rock star. She got her master's degree when she was 25 years old. Come on. She, like, just plowed through it. She's a counselor, and she's amazing. And I remember, like, watching my wife, like, just totally crush it and get her master's degree by the time she was 25. And I saw all the work. And when my boss was like, hey, do you want to Can we, you wanna do this? Part of me was like, yes. But other part of me was like, I don't want to do homework no more. <laughs> I mean, can I just be real? All right? It's like, I, I don't, I don't want to do homework no more. <laughs> like, I'm kind of done with that. You know? You kidding me? Who wants to do homework? Um, but I remember telling the small group, I said, look, look, I, I, I'm younger than a lot of my colleagues, okay, I, 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 I was already in rooms that I always felt like I was unqualified to be in. I was in these rooms where I was like, maybe I shouldn't be here. I'm not the most qualified, but God kept opening all these doors for me. And I remember just telling the connect group, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to push this whole opportunity to be on the master's program. Again, 120,000 employees, they only picked five, right? Lots and lots of people trying to get into the master's program. And I didn't even ask to be put in the program. My boss said, you need to be in the program. I'm like, sorry, I didn't apply for it. He's like, no, I apply for you, okay? And we just said, okay, God, if this is something you want me to do, then you're going to open up the door, and I'm going to be accepted into the program. If you don't want me to do it, then shut the door, and I'll be happy. Actually, I'll be really, really happy. I'll be really happy, you know? Beaches on the weekends, you know, we're in San Diego, can have fun. And God's like, no, you're going to go get your master's degree. So I went in. And I totally felt unprepared. And I totally felt unworthy. I totally felt like that's not where I belong. But by the grace of God, he allowed me to experience some things. Was it out of my comfort zone? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did I feel like I was unworthy for it? Absolutely. But I did do one thing right. I put it before God. And how many know that's the best thing that you can do? You just say, God, here's my situation. I'm going to leave it in your hands. I'm just entire, and this is where we have a very difficult time doing. We, we have a very difficult time turning things over to God, because we like to be in control, don't you? Who likes to be in control? Where are my control freaks at? My hand is up. I'm with you, okay? 
I like being, you're the drivers, right? You typically drive in the car. You don't want your spouse to drive. You're like, no, no, you sit down, you buckle up. I'm driving. You drive crazy. You drive slow, you know, all that stuff. And then if my wife does drive, I'm typically like, turn left, turn left. No, baby, it's a shortcut. Turn left. And she's like, leave me alone. But I just try to be in control, right? You just want to be in control. And so we have a hard time surrendering to God. But listen, big dreams are always going to require a big God. Big dreams always require a big God. Because your big dream that God is calling you to is something that you cannot do on your own. Of course you're unworthy for it. Of course you're unable to do it. It's a God dream. Moses is like, there's no way I can do that. You're right, Moses. You cannot do it. As a matter of fact, it's going to take God Almighty literally bringing plagues and wonders that this world has never seen in order for it to happen. All he needed was a mouthpiece. That's all he needed was someone bold enough to say, Pharaoh... Let, 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 let my people go. Remember, he stuttered, okay? All right. Now, listen. Moses felt unworthy and unable, but let me teach you something. I'm not a psychologist, but I know enough about this. My wife's a counselor. She taught me, all right? Feeling unable and feeling unworthy are simply that. They are feelings. Everybody say feelings. Feelings. Can I tell you something about feelings? Feelings passed. They pass, okay? Feelings are going to pass. Feelings aren't always a direct reflection of our reality. They aren't always a direct. How many ever misread a text message? And you got all up in your feelings. Kind of a little funny story. Dan, who, who, who's right here, he leads our worship team. Um, I'm sorry, he leads our, our, our band. Man, you were right there. You were on it. How'd you know I was going to talk about you? <laughs> He sent a text message to my cousin, who's the music director at our South Campus, and my cousin sent him a really sharp reply because he didn't know it was Dan. He thought it was someone else, and he had to go reel it in. I'm like, I am so sorry, Dan. I didn't realize I was talking to you. And so he could have felt a certain way and been like, oh, my God, this guy hates me. And that wasn't the reality. He got the wrong message. So feelings aren't always a reflection of reality. You need to get that because some of you come in here feeling blue. Some of you, as a matter of fact, I like when they say someone is all up in their feelings, right? You ever heard that? Someone, someone's all up in their feelings. Sometimes my Jackson, he's three years old, he gets up in his feelings, okay? And how does a three-year-old get up in his feelings? I don't know, but he does, okay? So what happens is when we get all up in our feelings, it then leads us to a place. Now watch this, right? It brings us to a place of fear, specifically unworthy, unable. When, when you are all up in your feelings of I feel unworthy and I feel unable, then you build up a wall of fear. Many of you have not launched out and started that business because you are afraid. There's no way I can do it. Where's the money going to come from? How am I going to do that? And God has called you to start that business because he's called you to accelerate the kingdom because God needs a kingdom builder. Okay? Not everyone's called a full-time ministry. Some of you are called to fund the kingdom, and you're called to fund the vision, and you're called to put wells in places where people can't drink water, and you're, you're, you're called to build churches in places where the gospel's not being preached. And so sometimes God calls you to do something that you may think, like, it's not like full-time ministry. It's not supposed to be full-time ministry. God called you to start that business because he's called you to fund the kingdom. And so sometimes we have these feelings of unworthy, unable, and those feelings then bring us to this place of fear. And when we are at this place of fear, we have two misconceptions. Watch this. Since I feel afraid, my dream must not be from God. That's feeling number one. Because I'm afraid, it can't be God. Number two, I can't go forward unless God takes my fear away from me. I won't move unless I stop 
feeling, feeling afraid. And God will not take away the feeling of fear. Instead, this is what he tells you to do. Be strong and be courageous. He's not going to take that feeling away. Every one of you in this room that's waiting for God to take away your fear, he's not going to do it. Listen, he's calling you to be courageous. If he took away the fear, then you wouldn't need courage because anyone can do it. But because he's trying to teach you how to be a strong man or woman of God, and because he's trying to teach you how to be a courageous man or woman of God, he's going to teach you to move forward in spite of fear. How many people have learned how to move forward even though you felt afraid? Even though it felt like the money wasn't coming? Even when it felt like, how am I going to get this thing done? Even when it felt like there's no way that God is going to, there's no way that I'm ever going to see this. God is teaching you courage. He's teaching you how to stand up in the face of fear. And there's too many in this room that are reeling because I'm afraid. And we're saying, God, take my fear away. And God is saying, I'm giving you courage because courage teaches you how to move even when you're afraid. It wouldn't be courage if there was no fear to overcome. It wouldn't be courage. It wouldn't be courage if you didn't have to overcome some obstacles. You wouldn't be a strong man or woman of God if everything was easy. I will promise you this as a pastor of this six-week-old church. When you come to Christ, it's not going to get easier. And shame on any pastor that will tell you that it's all going to be unicorns and skittles after you give your life to Jesus. It's not going to be that. You're going to have some hard moments. You're going to have some dark days. You're going to have some times where you're going to wonder, God, where are you in all of this? And God is making you a man or woman of courage. There's one last verse. Would you put that up on the screen that I want to share with you? For 40 years, 40 years, Israel's wandering in the desert. 40 years, they come out of Egypt, and they're just wandering. Moses dies. He goes on to heaven. Moses thought that he was going to take Israel into the promised land. He doesn't, but it's his number two. It's his right-hand guy. It's a really cool guy with an amazing name. His name is Joshua. You'll get it in a minute. <laughs> and so Joshua is his successor, and now he's stuck with Almost the disappointment of having to lead this group who thought like, Moses is going to get us to the promised land because Moses said, I'm going to get you there. And then the guy that's supposed to get them there dies. And jo Joshua's got to go back and lead them. And, and, and now he can see the promise. Now, now this is a lot of Bible and I, don't, I don't, hopefully don't mean, lose a lot of you. What made Joshua uniquely qualified to lead Israel is that when they left Egypt, he was one of 12 spies that got a look at the promised land, and only two came back and said, we got this. Ten came back and said, hey, we cannot do this. Ten bowed their knee to the feeling of fear. Okay, watch that. Ten bowed their knee to the feeling of fear. And two said, we got this. With God on our side, we got this. So Joshua was uniquely qualified. And so this is what God told him to do. Watch this now. Be strong and courageous. That's all he told him to do. Be strong and be courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land that I swore to your ancestors. Did God say, I'm going to make this real easy for you? No, he didn't say that. Did God say, I'm going to take away all your obstacles? He did not say that. Did God say, I'm going to fight every single battle on your behalf? He did not say that. All he said was, Joshua, be strong, be courageous.
And that's the word of the Lord for each and every person in this place. Some of you have come in with this feeling of fear, and I hear the word of the Lord telling you, be strong and be courageous. There is a God dream in front of you, and God is calling you to go and change this world. And you're wondering, how am I going to get it done? I'm going to give you two words that is going to get you started. Be strong and be courageous. If you would be strong and be courageous and trust that God has a plan for your life. Listen, I don't have a roadmap for you. As a matter of fact... Every time in the Bible, if you look, God never tells people how they're going to get there. Have you ever noticed that? Where my Bible readers at? God actually never tells people how they're going to get there. He just says you're going to get there. And they, I heard a preacher say, if God told them how they were going to get there, they would never say yes. <laughs> so he doesn't tell them. He just says, I'm going to get you there. Like when he put his disciples on the boat, he said, we're going to go to the other side. What he didn't tell them was they were all going to almost die in the process, right? And it's like God comes out at the end, like similar to that meme, but did you die? You know, it's like one of those things. Like, like that's, that's how God rolls, right? He's just like, I'm not going to tell you how we're going to get there. Just know that I'm going to get you there. And all he's saying is, will you be courageous? Will you be strong at this moment? And so don't allow your feelings of fear to overcome you. Whatever is holding you back, don't allow those things to overcome you. Because fear never comes from God. Fear always comes from misplaced feelings. And again, feelings are fleeting. Something kind of triggered, triggered me last week. It's very real. It's very close to home. You guys know that eight days ago there was a shooting at that um, Jewish synagogue in Poway. And my wife sent me a text message. She goes, I'm afraid. It, it incited fear in her. She said, I'm, I'm afraid now. We need to be for safety of the church. We got, we got to have a plan. Because it's getting crazy out there. And while I don't disagree with anything, that language really resonated with me. She said, I'm afraid. Because... The enemy will always try to get you to be afraid and stop. But you know what strong and courageous is? Is that even though we're afraid, we're going to keep on having church. We're going to keep on advancing the kingdom. We're going to keep on preaching Jesus in San Marcos. And when we're done with San Marcos, we're going to Vista. We're going to Carlsbad. We're going to, we're going to go to everywhere we can. Because God's not going to necessarily remove the fear. He's going to ask you to move on in spite of the fear. Amen? Let me lead you in prayer. Would you lean in right where you're seated and close your eyes and bow your heads and we're going to finish off our sermon and, and, and close off things for the day. But I just feel the spirit of God moving in this house. And I feel him moving so powerfully. And I believe that fear is going to leave this house right now. And we're going to be strong and we're going to be courageous. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe, Lord God, that this was a word that you had for this house. That you've called us not to be paralyzed by our fear. But you've called us to move forward in spite of our fear. There's someone here that has not mended a relationship because of fear and you are calling them to mend that relationship there is a marriage where husband and wife they're afraid this thing is over but you're telling them to move forward in spite of that fear there is someone that wants to launch a business in this room but they're afraid and you are saying move forward in spite of that fear there is somebody feeling all kinds of stuff in their life at the job, at home, with their children, and they are paralyzed in their fear. But I hear you coming today, and the Spirit of the Lord is in this place, and it is breaking chains, and it is loosening the captives. Everyone that is paralyzed will be loosened right now in the name of Jesus, under the sound of my voice. We break every chain where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty, and Father, I declare freedom in this house, and we are going to move forward with courage, and we are going to move forward with strength, because the God who has begun a good work in me We'll complete it until the day that he returns again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, clap your hands, real big lighthouse, all over this place. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others. 
Or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.